listening to the Funeral Fact Podcast, taking the mystery out of funeral customs and traditions. And now, here's your host, Jeff Casper. Greetings and welcome. My name is Jeff Casper, and I do want to thank you for tuning in to this, the inaugural Funeral Fact Podcast. If you have suggestions, questions, or if there's anything you think that you'd like to hear on our show, we'd encourage you to visit our website at www.funeralfact.com. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, we hope that you'll subscribe using iTunes or the Google Play Store. On our website, you'll be able to see a complete listing of all of our episodes and the guests that are on them, as well as the ability to subscribe, give us feedback, tell us what you'd like to hear, and interact with us, because we're all about hearing what you want to know. Because here at the Funeral Fact Podcast, we want to take the mystery out of funeral customs and traditions. We want to spread the veil and look at the cacophony of options that are available to each of us. Because let's face it, we're all going to go through death at one point or another. If we can be prepared, if we can understand, and that's really what our objective is with this podcast, it will make that horrible time of grieving be a little easier and take a little bit of the burden off. Let's get started with today's show. We have a great guest coming up. I know that you're going to find this incredibly informative. Today, we're here with Gary Moore. Uh, He owns Moore's Mission Funeral Home, um, and they have been around in the Concord, California area for years. Uh, Just to give you an idea, uh, their funeral director's license is FD873, which means they were the 873rd funeral home in California. Uh, Of course, he's also a licensed funeral director, uh, FDR965, and today we've asked Gary to come on the line with us to talk about uh, what families should expect when they come into the uh, funeral home of their choice, or when someone dies, they may not even know what to do. But first, Gary, let's get to know a little bit more about you. Um, Specifically, you're walking down the street, you could have been a rocket scientist, and... Today, you're a funeral director. How did that happen? Oh, my goodness. That was a decision that was made um, during my high school years. I had a younger brother that was killed and assisted my uh, mother and father in making his funeral arrangements. And at that time, I was approached by the funeral director that was assisting us, and he had invited me to come back and talk with him uh, wanting to know if I would have any interest uh, in becoming a funeral director. I had no idea at that time why he approached me, still don't. Um, subsequently, uh, I had a high school guidance teacher that also made the suggestion that this would be a career path for me. Um, I was more interested in automobiles and motorcycles, uh, painting and restoring them. And um, after attending junior college, I explored Mortuary College, which at that time was in San Francisco, and did enroll and took the courses necessary to become a licensed embalmer in the state of California. After that, uh, I needed to attain an apprenticeship, 
and having been raised in Concord, I approached uh, the two funeral homes at that time looking for a position as a licensed embalmer. Uh, Bryant and Lowe Chapel employed me as an apprentice embalmer and under the guidance of Warren Williams, um, I obtained my embalmer's license and then uh, maybe seven, eight years into that career, uh, the opportunity arose to become a partner in the business and at that time uh, we had two families that owned the business, the Bryants and the Lowe's. Mr. Bryant had decided to retire due to health circumstances, and maybe two or three years after that, Mr. Lowe had decided that he was going to uh, step back from the business also. So the opportunity became available to me to purchase uh, part ownership of the business, and um, it just went from there. I've, I've been in the business for a little over 43 years now. Wow. Um, a question about your apprenticeship. How, how long was that? Uh, was it a year, a six months, or so many hours? The mortuary, the mortuary college was a year, and the uh, apprenticeship was an additional two years under the guidance of a licensed funeral director and okay. embalmer. Very good. So um, now you've, you're an embalmer and a funeral director. You've gotten your license there. Um, so I presume that you've literally helped thousands of people through the years. Um, what what should someone do when when they have a loved one that's passed away, or if they have the benefit of of knowing that uh, perhaps it's an elderly relative that is is uh, nearing the end of their time here? Um, what should they do? What you know? What would you recommend folks do? Well, I would recommend that they contact a funeral home and. Uh, come in for a, uh, a visit just to find out what options are available and what are uh, the different forms of disposition available. I know at the time of a death, if you've never experienced it, it's shocking. And um, I, I like to have a phone contact first, if possible, just to simply make an appointment possibly 24 or, or hours or a little later than that just to give them time to really comprehend that they've had a death in their family so that when they do come in uh, and we can discuss things, they're in a, a mind frame to understand what we're discussing and not in a period of shock to where they're not even listening to what we're talking about. When folks come in, um, do they bring anything? Do they need to bring the, the person's driver's license or ID card or how, you know, how does that work? No, um, there is information that's necessary to fill out someone's death certificate. Um, and most of that uh, is relatively easy to obtain. Uh, primarily, it's the individual's birth date, place of birth, and that could be the state they were born in or out of, if it was out of the United States, just the country. Um, their social security number mother and father's names, mother's maiden name, and their places of birth, which can be the state, if it was within the United States or outside the country, just the, uh, the country's name. Um, the rest of it is simply um, residence, street address, uh, occupation, uh, things of that nature. 
Now, it sounds like it would be good to have this discussion with the loved one, presuming that you have some notice and it, you know, isn't a, an accident or other uh, calamity, uh, about maybe what their thoughts and their wishes are, um, as well as maybe they've already laid this out. Um, is there an easy way to start that conversation without, you know, sounding like grandma? You look like you're, uh, you know, ready to go soon. So what would you like to have? Well, that's probably the easiest way to approach it. But uh, many times people, uh, as they age and become more aware of the fact that they're, they're getting on in their years, are really, uh, they, they, don't, they don't mind discussing these matters. They kind of sometimes enjoy discussing these matters because it relieves them of the burden of knowing that they have talked about it and, you know, they're not just leaving their family in a lurch. Well, I know there's, you know, when you have a death that occurs, particularly with someone that's that's very close with you, um, there are so many things you need to consider. I mean, it's uh, almost like people just are throwing thing at throwing things at you, um, and you know, to kind of keep it all straight in in your head, and not over over by or under, you know, figure out what's going on. A lot of times, there's just no one really to to guide someone down the path and it sounds to me like that that's pretty much what your job as a, a funeral director is to do uh, not necessarily to tell people what has to happen but to prepare them uh, for the things that might be coming down the road and, and to get ready for uh, uh, whatever type of services they uh, choose to have is that correct that is correct most people um, if they've never been affiliated with a uh, someone that has died if they've never been around the making of arrangements or and making these decisions and they're just this is the first time they've had to do it it's been dumped in their lap so to speak um, I encourage them to just sit down and talk with me so that I can get an understanding of kind of what their thoughts and, and uh, needs might be and then give them all the options available uh, and let them kind of decide what they would like to do arrangements today, there's no cookie cutter funeral arrangement and arrangements today are very personalized uh, no one is forced to do anything um, it's it's just really sitting down and having a very a very good discussion and just educating people well and that of course is much better done in advance. I, I I would imagine rather than waiting till it goes, you know, till you're forced to make a decision or or to go through these types of things, especially in a crisis mode. Um, if there are brothers and sisters, for instance, if it's a parent, um, should they try and and get all of all of the uh, their siblings together to come visit the funeral home? Do you think, or maybe just one goes and explores the options and then comes back? Or what? What do you think is the best way to address that? It's done both ways, but I really find that having everyone sitting in the same room and having an open discussion where everyone's hearing what's being discussed at the same time to be the easiest. It truly is. And these decisions don't have to be made that minute. They can gather the information, go home and talk about it, call back if they have more questions, come back if they have more questions. These are things that, you know, you can take a little time to decide. It's not that you have to make a decision within 
the few moments you have with the funeral home. Now, of course, um, you know, your business uh, probably is 24-7, I would imagine. Um, uh, obviously, you have office hours where you meet with families, but, um, you know, crises don't ever seem to uh, to strike uh, at an, a convenient hour during business hours, certainly. Uh, when we get back, um, we're coming up a break uh, against a break, and when we get back, we will go ahead and let's talk a little bit about um, you know the things that a family needs to do right away when someone does pass pass away, and who else may be taking care of things for them. And we'll be right back after this break. We hope that you're enjoying this issue of the Funeral Fact Podcast. You know, one of the best things you can do for us if you're enjoying it is to subscribe as well as write a review on iTunes or through the Google Play Store. Reviews and subscriptions allow us to bubble up to the top of the thousands of podcasts that are out there, some with large corporations, but it allows us to stand out. So again, we encourage you to Go ahead and go to your iTunes store or else your Google Play store. Subscribe and write us a review. You'll also want to stop by our website at www.funeralfact.com. That's where we list all of the show notes, way to get a hold of the guests, as well as upcoming program notes. So stop by at www.funeralfact.com. All right, we are back uh, with Gary Moore from Moore's Mission Funeral Home in Concord, California. Um, He's a licensed funeral director, FDR 965, and he's here today to explain us about what types of things someone should do or a family needs to think about uh, when a loved one passes away. Uh, Now, Gary, oftentimes people are in the hospital when they pass away. I I would presume um, that they the hospital will take care of, of notifying you or do they just call the family and say, we're sorry, your loved one's passed away. You need to, to take care of this quickly. How does that work? Well, it's my understanding that if someone does die in the hospital, uh, many times the family is approached by the nursing staff and ask whether or not they have uh, a funeral home that they would like them to call to come and transport the remains to the funeral home. Uh, many times families that are not prepared uh, they'll simply say we have no idea and I know the local hospitals in the uh, community that I operate in uh, many times will provide the families with a list of funeral homes or funeral providers cremation societies things of this nature with uh, contact information phone numbers they, most of the hospitals have storage facilities where if a family is not ready to make that decision immediately, the hospital can store the remains uh, in refrigeration while the family can possibly visit a couple of uh, funeral providers and then make a decision based on uh, their thoughts at that time as to who can go to the hospital and collect the remains for them. It's necessary to have the legal next of kin 
sign all of the documents required by law to give the, the funeral home permission to act on their behalf. All so right. It is necessary to have a meeting with the legal next of kin at some point because their signature is the one that's necessary for us to be able to collect the body from the hospital or the medical examiner if this was an accident or uh, a circumstance of that nature. Now, you mentioned something about, you know, choosing a funeral home. Are all funeral homes the same? Um, what's the difference between different funeral homes? Uh, there are no two funeral homes the same. Um, there are Choosing a funeral home is uh, basically selecting a facility that you're comfortable with. It may be a selection based on uh, location to where you live. It may be a funeral home that uh, someone else that you know has used in the past and was very pleased with the services. So you may get a personal recommendation from a friend or a neighbor. Um, but no, no two funeral homes are identical. Um, the difference today, a lot of the funeral homes are owned by a handful of very large corporations. There are a number of funeral homes that are still independently owned, like myself. Um, I, when you come to my funeral home, you actually meet with the owner. So the difference uh, there is I'm able to make decisions uh, and provide choices to families that maybe a person working at a corporate-owned funeral home would be unable to do. And, and that's important. I mean, it would be the equivalent of going to a huge, large financial institution versus a community bank. You're going to get a, oftentimes a much um, closer to the decision maker, if you will. If, if, or you might have some, some ideas that might not fit in a box, if you will, uh, that you'd be able to offer to folks. Is that what I'm hearing? That's very true. That's very true. And um, there is a difference, too, in the fact that... Uh, my livelihood and my reputation is on the line when I shake your hand and when I tell you something, uh, when I make a commitment to provide a service or merchandise, um, it's, uh, it's very binding where in a situation where it's possibly a corporate owned uh, operation to where the individuals that work there have no vested interest, so to speak, other than just uh, a place of employment, um, they may not care as much. No, no, and, and that's important. Um, is is there a, a particular, if, if you're a particular faith, or uh, is there, you know, a special type of funeral home that you should go to, or can funeral homes handle all different types of faiths? Well, there are a few funeral homes that specialize and really only want to handle uh, people of their own faith. There are those that are owned by uh, churches, by organizations um, such as that, to where they really only want to service people of their faith. Um, we happen to be a funeral home that serves all faiths and all nationalities. Um, because of my 43 years plus experience, I've been exposed to just about every kind of religion there is out there. Um, and I've had an opportunity to learn a lot of different customs. And the interesting, the interesting thing that I've 
seen is that so many people of different faiths believe that uh, they're very unique when in fact they really aren't. They do share a commonality. There's a large commonality amongst a lot of faiths in the, um, the way they handle their dead and the way they um, celebrate the life. Now, uh, what about uh, veterans? I've often heard that uh, veterans, you know, have, have you know, uh, benefits uh, from having served uh, in the military. Um, do they have to go to the VA? Does the VA have a funeral home or how does that work? Well, the VA does have a funeral home, but it only it only services uh, servicemen that are killed in action, in active duty. Um, otherwise, you have to use uh, an outside funeral home, such as mine. And we serve a lot of veterans' families. Uh, veterans do have various benefits. They have some tremendous benefits when it comes to the uh, cemetery side of the funeral. Veterans are entitled to be buried in any national cemetery uh, at absolutely no cost and they're provided the grave, the concrete box that the casket is buried in, uh, they are provided a headstone and their spouse or a dependent child is also entitled to be buried with them at absolutely no charge. The uh, the veteran's family is responsible from getting the individual from the point of death to the gates of the cemetery, so to speak. So the uh, and veterans killed in the military while they're serving are entitled to additional benefits. They would be entitled to uh, embalming, transportation, preparation of the body, and a casket. Uh, many times. Uh, the mortuary, the veterans mortuary would prepare the body and then ship the body to the local funeral home that the family chooses to use for the actual ceremonies and then transportation to the cemetery for the burial. Uh, veterans that choose cremation also can have their ashes placed in the national cemetery. They can be buried in the ground or placed above ground in a columbarium. A columbarium is a above ground building or outside facility that houses niches which contain the individual sets of ashes. And there again, uh, I have had veterans families where the veteran wanted to be cremated but the wife wanted to be buried in a casket. And so we obtained the grave for the, uh, the veteran and the spouse. They're buried together. Um, and they're just simply buried one below the other. If um, the person being buried, the ash, if the person that's choosing cremation dies first, the ashes can be placed in the grave. There's a headstone. And then when the second death occurs, the ashes are just simply disinterred and the casket is buried lower and then the ashes are placed on top and then the spouse's name is added to the headstone. So there's a lot of options available. And veterans uh, obtain that at absolutely no expense. That's, that's amazing because that's, well, we're actually going to talk about that in uh, some other episodes, but um, the fact that, that all of those ancillary pieces are taken care of uh, for the family is is got to be a big relief to, to many. Um, 
Now, if you were going to give advice to to somebody who um, has never experienced a death before, this you know comes upon suddenly, um, what would you recommend that they do? Meet with me so that I can get a feeling for uh, what they. Many times people don't know what they want until they've uh, had a lot of different options presented to them, and then they kind of start hearing something that maybe they're that feels like maybe that's the direction they would like to go. And then I could elaborate and more or less custom design a plan for them for their particular needs. Now, if someone uh, doesn't have a, a church home or a religious uh, affiliation, um, what do they do? I mean, and they want to have a, a, a memorial service or a celebration of life. Um, can you assist them with that? end of things as well yes what I have what I'm able to offer is I have I'm I'm what's called a full-service funeral home uh, we have chapels I have three different chapels here at my facility um, and they are have different seating capacities we have a very intimate small chapel that would have seating for approximately 40 people we have a medium-sized chapel, which would seat close to 100, and then our larger chapel seats 156. So we can accommodate um, families that have, you know, we can make it very comfortable to where if you have uh, a family that wants to have a private service where it's just the family members and a few friends that are invited, um, and maybe there's only going to be 15, 20, 25 people, you naturally don't want to use the larger chapel because it's just a big empty room at that point. So we would use one of the smaller chapels. Now, if if uh, your loved one has uh, some favorite music or songs, can can you incorporate that in in their uh, memorial service at some point or before? Yes, we can. We offer uh, slideshow videos. Uh, we can. We can have live performers come in and provide this music, or we can do it on a uh, CD. We can play CD music, compact disc. Um, so we do have sound systems, and we also are able to, uh, if a family doesn't have a, a particular religious or a faith that they follow and they want to have a celebration, we can engage a non-denominational celebrant to help assist with uh, providing a very personalized and uh, meaningful life celebration service. All right, excellent. Well, Mr. Moore, we are just about out of time. I wanted to uh, thank you again for your time today. Um, and I'd like to remind our listeners, if they go over to our website, which is funeralfact.com, uh, you can find some information on, on this program as well as how to contact Mr. Moore and upcoming programs as well. We'd also encourage you to uh, come on in and, and give us your suggestion for uh, any upcoming shows, or maybe you think you should be a guest. Uh, you can uh, let one of our producers know uh, right from a form on the website. So again, I uh, thank you, Mr. Moore. It's been a pleasure speaking with you today. And to our listeners, thank you very much for listening to the Funeral Fact Podcast. We hope that you've enjoyed today's show. And again, I can't say enough about having you go to iTunes 
or your Google Play Store and subscribing, as well as leaving us a review. It's incredibly important so others will have the opportunity to hear and learn. And I invite you to go to www.funeralfact.com, which is our companion website, where we're working to take the mystery out of funeral customs and traditions. Until next time, this is Jeff Casper wishing you good night and good luck. Proceeding broadcast is copyright 2017 Casper Media. All rights reserved.